honestly, get your Bibles out and have them ready. We're going to um, uh, turn to a lot of verses here tonight, and so um, uh, I'm not going to start off by reading uh, a passage of Scripture because we're going to go through and just lay out uh, verse upon verse here, and you have to turn a lot of different places, and, I, and honestly, I would love, I'm going to try to slow down enough that you actually kind of turn to those verses and see them, um, but Tonight, I want to address possibly the most critical uh, issue in Christianity today. And uh, it's, you know, I don't know, when I said that, you know, a lot of people probably have different things pop into your mind and different thoughts about what that might be. Uh, but I'm not going to tell you right now. So, uh, but we're going to have a word of prayer. We'll get started. Father, I pray that you bless. Lord Jesus, I, I need your guidance, your direction. Lord, I need your strength and your wisdom. Holy Spirit of God, I need your power. So, Holy Spirit of God, I yield myself to thee, and I ask you, please, fill me with your presence. Lord, for this message may be like no other. It's not a dynamic message, but I feel like it's the root problem that we have in, in Christianity. So, Lord, I pray, please, Spirit of God, Anoint me, fill me, guide me. Use me, dear Lord. God, build a hedge of protection around us and turn back the enemy. Please, in Jesus' name, amen. As I make this statement, possibly the most critical of issues in Christianity today, I want you to notice that, that what I said was in Christianity, not in the world, not of the lost. To the lost man, the, you know, of course, the most critical issue is, is Jesus, who he says he is. Is he the Christ? Can and will he save us from our sins? Can, can and will he give us eternal life if we trust him and ask him? I mean, that's the most important thing that, that, that no matter what's going on in the life of a lost man, the most important thing is, are, you know, do you understand who Jesus is when you receive him? Because if he doesn't do that, it doesn't matter what else we do for him. It doesn't matter how much food we give to somebody that comes up here. If they don't know Christ as their Savior, uh, that food, like I said, is gonna, this morning is going to take a day or two or three. And it's going to be gone. But, but uh, if they don't know Christ as Savior, eternity in hell is a long time. Now, to the Christian, though, the most critical issue, and I'm going I'm to be nice to you tonight. I'm going to tell you exactly what it is. The most critical issue, I believe, is this, is the Word of God truly the Word of God? And if it is, will we submit to it? I believe it's really the issue in Christianity today. I believe it's the issue with saved people today. Is the Bible the Word of God? And if it is, will we submit to it? 2 Timothy chapter 3, if you want to look, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. Uh, for some of these, they're going to be very some of these are going to be very familiar verses, but, but I, I'd like for you to look at them because we're going to be talking about the Word of God tonight. And it's again, it's not going to be a dynamic message, but I'm, then again, I'm not sure I ever preached those. And uh, I'm not sure why I looked at Linda when I said that, but I just, I need that encouragement. <laughs> uh, so... 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, and, and get there to it. Uh, it says this, 
all Scripture is given by the inspiration of God. Now, if we didn't go any further than that, that ought to be enough for us. All Scripture, not all the, the books in the world, not, not the Koran, all Scripture, talking about the Word of God, the Bible, all Scripture is given by the inspiration of God. God-breathed book that says, and, and I learned a long time ago that when you speak, you expel air. You are breathing air when you speak, and God breathed these words. God, I believe, spoke these words in eternity past. It says, all Scripture is given by the inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. And, and there's so much in this, just this verse alone, but we're not going to stay there long. But, but the question is, do we believe the Word of God is given to us for a purpose? Do we believe it's the Word of God? Do we believe the Word of God was given to us for a purpose? Did God just leave His Word with us just because He wanted to, uh, us to read it and, and say, oh, yeah, I've, I've read God's Word? No, He gave it to us for a distinct purpose. That purpose is profitable to us because it teaches us, listen, it teaches us doctrine, it teaches us what to believe, it, it reproves us of sin, it corrects us concerning error. It instructs us in righteousness. Man, that's, that's, a, that's a mouthful right there, what God's Word will do for us. Righteousness, of course, it instructs us righteousness, both the state of being in Christ when you're saved. You have the righteousness of Christ, but it also is talking about a life that's to be devoted to righteousness day by day. The Word of God is powerful, the Scripture says. Look at Hebrews 4.12. Again, uh, for some of these, going to be very common verses, but I challenge you to turn to these, mark these. Uh, these are so important because they're talking about what you hold in your hand, the Word of God you hold in your hand. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the Word of God, and just let me say this, one of the things that we're doing with the junior church right this, this, this 12 weeks, they're going to memorize the books of the Bible. Amen. Amen? So that when we say to them, that book, they know where to go to. They know where to turn to. We really want them to get that. And so, but, but it says, Hebrews 4.12, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. The word of God reveals to you what you really think and what you really believe. It really does. The Word of God, when we see it, watch this, it reveals to us because when God says something is wrong and we say, I don't agree, your heart was just revealed. When, we, when God says you should do this and you say, I don't want to, your heart was revealed. It's like a mighty two-edged sword, the Scripture says. It's also like a fire. It's like a hammer, even greater than Thor's hammer. It's even greater. The, the, it says, Jeremiah 23, 29, is not my word like a fire. Hey, you know what? A fire is consuming. A fire, uh, listen, a fire, well, you just keep feeding it, and it will not go out. Well, if the word of God is endless, that's a fire that won't quit burning. 
And it's like a mighty hammer, he says. He says, like a hammer that breaketh the rock in pieces. God says, this this thing, okay, this is probably not what this means, but this is what comes in my head. God says, this is like a fire that's going to burn away all the chaff. This is a fire that's going to burn away all the filth. This is a fire that's going to purify. And he said, you know what it is? He's like a hammer that breaks the rock. I think it's a hammer that gets through your hard head. God said, you know what? This will get through that stone on top of your shoulders that you don't want to listen, you don't want to hear, you want to debate everything. God says, here it is. The Word of God is strong. The Word of God is our existence and our sustenance. It is my very existence, Matthew 4, 4 says, but he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, not even pizza. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Now watch this. He didn't say some words. He said every word. That means, folks, listen to me. That means you need to read through this thing uh, completely and totally. That means we need to, to read through our Bible. We need to study our Bible. God said that you're going to live and you're gonna, if you're going to have a, a, a balanced diet, he said you've got to have every word. Every book is like a different vegetable. Every, every, some books are just are hunks of meat. And God says you've got to have it all. Are you all okay right now? Here we go. Now, the Word of God is true. Not some of it. Listen to me now. Here's, here's the, the big error. The Word of God is true. Amen? The Word of God is true. Not some of it, but all of it. And you say, well, no, there's some things where God says, you know, that Satan said they were lies. It's true that he told a lie. Everything that God tells you is true to what he's stating it to be. And it's God's word, not some of it, but all of it. For all of the words are words of God. And somehow we got to get to the point where we really believe. Look, it's not something, this is not a smorgasbord. You go through and just say, I'll take a little of this, and I'll take a little of that, and I'll see what, what, you know what, that don't taste very good, so let's just get rid of that. Folks, we need to realize this book is the word of God. And if we're contradicting it in our life, we're wrong and God is right. It's true. John 17, 17. And I already I moved too fast on some of those others, but John 17, 17. You say, Brother Hooker, you know, you'll, you'll be done before we get there hardly. But John 17, 17, I still like to, to, to underline these, to see these. John 17, 17 says, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. God's word says it's the truth. The word of God makes us alive and gives us life. John 6, 63. Look at John 6, 63. Give you a second to get there. I started to put it up in, in a PowerPoint, and then I thought, no, I don't want you to do that. I don't want you to see it up there. I want you to look at it in your Bible. I want you to mark it. I want you to put something down there. If God speaks to your heart, write a little note there. But John six sixty three says, it is the spirit that quickeneth. Now, that word quickeneth means, makes you alive. 
You know, when you got saved, the Spirit made alive your spirit. God, God made you alive. Okay, the flesh profiteth nothing. So, folks, listen to me. God just said right there. You know what God said? He said, look, if you're living for your flesh, if you're living for your success, if you're living for your prosperity, he said that doesn't profit anything. I, I hate to say it this way, folks, because uh, God can't get away tomorrow, and if he wants to, that's what he wants to do. But, but you're looking at a fellow that, that for the most part of my, my, the biggest part of my life, when I left here in 1982, I, I never, I, I never have made probably over $30,000 in any year in my life. But, but listen to me. I have everything that most people that have a couple hundred thousand dollar a year job have. Watch this. I have everything that you could dream of. My, that my kids, you know, when it comes to birthdays, come to Christmas, what does dad want? What does dad I don't want or need anything. I really don't. And anything that I want, it's terrible. Anything that I want to do, somehow or another, God lets me do it. I've been all over the world. I've been to so many countries. I, can't, I don't even know it. I've been in all 50 states. My wife and I have seen everything that you could possibly see. And we found out that all of it looks the same after a while. I'm just trying to tell you, you seek after something and people run to get $100,000 and $200,000 and so they can have this house and to have that and have it. I'm just telling you, God has given us all of that and more. Because you don't seek after it, you seek after him. And he'll give you. Now, I'm not telling you, look, uh, a lot of people look at me and say, well, man, you know, if I could have a house like that, if I could do that, if I could have this, if I could, uh, you know, if I could look as good as you, if I could, you know, if I could do that, man, oh, I'll serve God. Listen, uh, there's a long time between when we started and here. Okay? That's a whole lot of bologna sandwiches, all right? And there's a whole lot of times when there was no bologna in the sandwich. But the flesh, properly enough, the words that I speak unto you, they, listen to this, they are spirit. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. You understand? These words give us life. It's amazing how God, his promises, and one of these days I'll do that, but, but, but we've got to just see that God promises and he, he, can, he surpasses anything that we can ask or think. We have the words of God because Matthew 24, 35. Look at Matthew 24, 35. This is one that you, know, you ought to memorize. Because a lot of people are one of... I was listening to recently and there's uh, this interview in this guy and he talks about the fact that he was a liberal Christian. And of course, liberal, there's all kinds of terminology in there. Uh, but truly a liberal Christian is one that doesn't believe in the deity of Christ. He doesn't believe in salvation. He doesn't even believe Jesus arose from the grave. That's what a true liberal is. But they were talking about that. But listen to me. Here's so important that we understand. We have the words of God because heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. 
Listen, we've got to believe that because we got all kinds of naysayers out there. And they want to tell us that, that you know, oh, you don't really have the Word of God. Or if it ever was the Word of God, then man's you know, influence and man's changed it. Or, or uh, you know, they, all kinds of attack can come. But we as Christians, you know what we got to do? We've got to settle in our heart and mind. You know what I'd like for you to do tonight? Settle in your heart and mind that God said the Word of God will never pass away. And why said, if it won't pass away, it must still be here. God promises his word will always be. Every word is pure. And these pure and perfect words are a protection to those that believe them. That's wonderful too. God says they'll never pass away. And not watch this. They're pure and they're perfect and they will protect you. Listen to this. Proverbs 30 verses 5 and 6. Look at Proverbs 30 verse 5 and 6. I keep trying to slow down. If I go too fast, raise your hand. It won't slow me down, but I love just making fun of you. Thank you, Susan. All right. Proverbs 30, verse 5 and 6 says, every word of God is pure. Watch this. Now. Again, do you notice that when God uses every word that he uses is important because every word is pure. And he says every word. Do you all see that? Every word. So if every word is the word of God, you've got to settle this. Do you believe what you hold in your hand? Every word is the word of God. Then watch this. If it is, it's pure. It's pure. Now, watch this. He is a shield unto them that put their trust in him. Watch it. God says, I, I, the word of God, and, and I'll get to it later, but the word of God and Jesus are synonymous. The, 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 we put our trust in the word. We put our trust in Jesus. We put our trust in the word of God. It's a shield and a protection to us. If you want to be protected from this evil world, believe the book. Believe the promises of God. As I said, Jesus is the embodiment of the word. God and his word, I believe, are synonymous. We, would you believe, God, listen, just think about this. Would you believe God if he spoke to you face to face right now? If somehow Jesus Christ stood in front of you and he spoke to you face to face, would you believe him? Would you, would you question him? If he looked at you and said, there's something about your life I need you to change, would you look at him and say, hey, I'm not ready to change that? If Jesus Christ stood in front of you and said that, if Jesus Christ said, you know what, you need to, you need to head a, a, a different direction in your life, uh, would, you, would you look at him and say, you know what, I'm not ready for that? You know, I just don't think any of us really as Christians, if Jesus Christ, the sinless, perfect Son of God, came and stood in front of us right now, and he told us some things about our life, told us some things we need to add, told us some things we need to change, told us some things we need to leave. If he told us that, I think at least we would respect enough to say, whatever you say, because you're God. Here's where our problem is. We don't believe that's exactly what he's doing every day. When we pick this book up and read it, that's Jesus Christ speaking to us as though he was here. We are greatly criticized, and people like me are greatly criticized for taking such a strong stand on the Word of God. Some say we worship a book rather than God. 
in which they say is idolatry. I just want you to understand, if, the, if God is the Word and the Word is God, then we, then we worship God by standing upon His inerrant Word. You can't separate the two. I'm going to get real extreme here, but a, but a guy said to me one time, he said, he said, you know, there's a, a you know, this lunatic that, that says that, uh, and I don't remember who he said it was, but he said, you know, if, you, if the King James Bible differs from the Greek and the Hebrew, then, then that'll prove to you. He said, if I can show you that it differs from the Greek and Hebrew, that it's wrong. And I looked at him and I said, no, that doesn't prove it's wrong. I said, it, just, it could mean that the Greek and Hebrew that you have is wrong. You say, why would you say that? <laughs> Listen to me. I got to believe that my God who promised to preserve the word, and we're going to get there. I'm getting ahead of myself. But if he can preserve the word of God, and he did, that what he preserved is pure. What he preserved is perfect. He said it would never end. Do you understand that that, that means that what I have must be right? Amen. Now, the truthfully, the area is not in the Greek and the Hebrew. It's not in, it, it depending on what Greek and the Hebrew, but it's not in the, uh, in the Bible. The, the error is in our understanding of them. Now, all right, John 1.1 clearly says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So, so yo, I don't think we can make too much of this because God says in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. The problem is they say you're fanatical because you believe every word of that. Listen to me, just forgive me, but I'd rather get to heaven believing every word of that and find out that I was wrong than to not believe in anything. I just believe God would be glad that I believed that some place was His Word, and I took, I took a stand on it. Many Christians walk in spiritual darkness because they do not truly believe the Word of God is, in fact, actually the words that God spoke in eternity past. The Scripture says, says this in Isaiah chapter 40. So I almost messed you up again. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 8. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 8. But they walk in darkness because they do not truly believe the Word of God is, in fact, the actual words of God that God spoke in eternity past. And they don't believe that they are the very words of God that He has preserved for eternity future. You see, I believe that He spoke them in eternity past, and He preserved them to eternity future. Isaiah 40, verse 8 says, The grass withereth, and the flower fadeth, but listen to this, but the Word of God shall stand forever. The Word of God. My preacher said this years and years ago, but, but listen, folks, I, I, you, you, you've got to, you, if you're going to be a Christian and you're going to understand and believe that there really is, the Bible's true, and when it says the grass withereth and the flower fadeth, but the Word of God shall stand forever, it's got to be somewhere. And listen to me, you better find out where it is. You say, well, oh, I've got a King James Bible. Listen to me. Do you believe it? Do you really believe it? 
When it contradicts what you want and what you want to do and where you want to go and what you, do you really believe it then? Those who believe the word, the Bible is the very words of God, walk in the light. Psalm 119, 105. God says, Psalm 119, 105. says this, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. You know what? Listen, when you believe the word of God is the word of God, it, it, it is a light that shines brightly everywhere you go. And it'll direct you, and it'll keep you on the path, because when the light shines on the path brightly, you know where the path is. If we believe that we have the words of God, then we would and should, listen to this, go to Colossians 3.16. Colossians 3.16. Y'all have never turned this much in your life, have you? Colossians 3.16. And I should be saying, when you found it, say amen, but then that forced people to lie, and the Bible says y'all not to. (laughs) Colossians 3.16. So I'll say again, if we believe that we have the words of God, then we would and should let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. In all wisdom, teaching, admonishing, And it says, one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. God says, you know what? Uh, This book not only teaches you uh, uh, wisdom, and it teaches you truth and principles and laws and precepts and principles. He teaches you all that. He says, but this book's even full of psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. But if we simply believe it contains some of the Word of God, and, and, and probably hardly anybody in here would say, well, I just believe it contains, but what we say and how we live may be two different things. It says, but if we simply believe it contains some of the Word of God, it has good thoughts and principles, then we, in fact, reject that it's the Word of God. When we look at the Word of God and we, at any point, this is what's so dangerous about new versions, folks, they, they take stuff out. They change things. And watch this. When they do that, they're saying it does not belong. Now watch this. You start that and you start at one place, one verse, one portion of the verse. You, ask, you answer this. It's, it's like uh, trying to say how good you have to be to go to heaven. When you say that one verse, one portion of a verse should not be there, you tell me how do I know what should be there. Because you said it should be. Or because somebody else smarter than me said it should be, somebody else had decided, listen to me, I believe that you have to go somewhere and you go on the credibility of the witness and this witness is 400 years old that I hold right here. I'm going to believe it over somebody that comes up and says, hey, something in there shouldn't be there. Now, if we simply believe it contains some of the Word of God, it has good thoughts, principles, then we, in fact, reject that it is the Word of God. And in doing so, we will be judged by the Word of God. Listen to this, John chapter 12, verse 48. Look at John chapter 12, verse 48. John chapter 12, verse 48. Now, take your time, get to this one. It's very important we get here. 
John chapter 12, verse 48. He that rejecteth me and receiveth not my words hath one that judgeth him. The word that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last day. Do you understand how serious this is? When we decide we don't agree with something here, when we decide something shouldn't be in here, when we decide something uh, is not right or we don't agree with it, God says, do you understand that the very words that you're reading and you're rejecting are the very words that will judge you in the last day? We say we believe in Jesus, but we struggle to believe in his words. Look at John chapter 6, verse 68. John chapter 6, verse 68 says, Then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. You know why he had the words of eternal life? Because he was the words of eternal life. Because he was eternal life. John chapter 1, verse 14. John chapter 1, verse 14. It says, the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory uh, as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Listen, listen to this. The word was made flesh. The word of God, and that's why we can't make too much of the word of God. The word of God was made flesh and dwelt among us. That's Jesus Christ. All right. That's not an all-inclusive thing, but some final thoughts. Number one, God promises to preserve his words. If you look at Psalm chapter 12, verse 6 and 7. Psalm chapter 12, verse 6 and 7. God promises to preserve his words. It says, Psalm chapter 12, verse 6, that says, The words of the Lord are pure words. As silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord. Thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. Listen, somewhere on this earth, for all of eternity past, since the earth was created till now, and all of the future to this earth is obliterated, on this earth is the word of God somewhere. All of it. Because God preserved all of it. Now everybody's got to decide what they think that all of it is. And I'm going to just be point blank. I believe that all of it is this King James Bible. In the English version. I got all kinds of reasons why I can go into it uh, in, in depth. Uh, but just a little, little simple little tidbit, I believe. If you'll study history, you'll find that the English language in the... In, in, um, 1760s, right in that time frame, became the language of the world. And it's amazing to me that 1769, that the, the King James Bible uh, it not had corrections, but had its final uh, editing as far as the spelling. You know, spelling was becoming uh, um, consistent 
uh, it's the wrong term, but becoming consistent. In 1769, the spelling became consistent. English language became the language of the world, just like Greek was the language of the world at one time, just like Hebrew. Uh, it originally, the, the world that God was dealing with was the Hebrew people, so it came in Hebrew. Then the Greek was the language of the world, and so it came in Greek. And then the English language is the language of the world, still is today. Everybody, everywhere you go, it's amazing. Do you, do you go to, to Africa where they speak Chi? And you know what they, they some of them speak English. You go to China, people want to learn English. You go, you go anywhere you want to go, they want to learn English. It's the language of the world. God gave us the word of God in the language of the world. He did. Now, number two, the scripture says you shall not add or take away from the word of God. Now, if, if Deuteronomy chapter 4, verses 1 and 2 is the one that I'll use here. Deuteronomy chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. Go all the way back to Deuteronomy. It says, Now therefore hearken, O Israel, unto the statutes and unto the judgments which I teach you, for to do them that ye may live and go in and possess the land which the Lord... God of your fathers giveth you. Now listen to this. Ye shall not add unto the word which I command you, neither shall you diminish aught from it, that you may keep the commandments of the Lord your God which I command you. Now, it sounds to me, if God thought this much of his words, don't you think he thinks we ought to think this much of his word? If God says, don't, don't mess with it, and we'll see here in just a second, he said even more, more intense terms. But he says, don't mess with it, don't diminish from it, don't add to it. If God thought that much of his word, I think he wants us to think that much of his word. We need to be really careful with the word of God. Very careful. Most of the time we speak of adding or taking away from God's word through translations. Now, here's, here's if you don't mind, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to drill us all right here. We, th- we speak of adding or taking away from God's word through translations. But in reality, the greatest offense is when we individually rewrite the word of God in our hearts. Some of us are the most adamant about those, this word not being changed in our hearts changing. We add what we want it to be and we delete what we don't want it to be. You say, how we do that? Sometimes just by not reading it. Out of sight, out of mind, don't want to look back at it. I don't want to read that portion that's going to tell me not to do something because I want to be able to do it. So he smile at me now. That's the greatest danger. The greatest danger is really not the versions out there. It, it doesn't take a genius to figure out when you've got hundreds of different versions of the same thing, you've got confusion. Number three, God cares about every one of his words. Proverbs chapter 30, verse 5 and 6, I think I've already read this to you. Every word of God is pure. He is a shield unto them that put their trust in him. Add thou not unto his words, lest he reprove thee, and thou be found a liar. That's Proverbs, I didn't read it to you. Proverbs 30, verses 5 and 6. God says, you mess with my words, you change it. He said, you're the liar. Boy, that, that's pretty intense, but especially when God says all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone. 
Number four, God's words will never pass away. Mark 13, 31. Heaven and earth shall pass away. Mark 13, 31. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. And finally, this is a, a tough one, but God will curse those who change his word. It says, for I, uh, this Revelation chapter 22, verse 18 and 19, and of course, the naysayers will say, this is just written about Revelation. Again, you know what? I'm going to just be safe. There's a lot of things people ask me about. Somebody asked me earlier today about something, that, and I said my answer is I can't be definitive about it. You know, I may one day, but so far I, I haven't found a, a de definitive statement in the Bible. And, and I try really to be very careful about being definitive about that which I don't feel God has been definitive. So I, I'm trying to, I try to be very careful about that. I'm not going to be definitive that this is not just written to the book of Revelation, that God's saying it about the book of Revelation. But I, I'll say this, I'm going to let it be safe. Do you know what? I want to be safe. God will curse those who change words. For He says, for I testify unto, unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book, if any man shall add unto these things. And the reason I think, you say, well, right there, prophecy of this book, this book can be the entire Bible, and the, the rest of the Bible has prophecy in it also. But anyway, if any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. If any man shall take away from the words of, of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. Now, again, the way it's written, it seems to concentrate on the book of Revelation but one, I'm going to be safe. And two, the principle is, if God is this intense about this one book, don't you think he might be intense about everything else he wrote? Again, today the Word of God is attacked in two great ways, and I'm almost done. It is attacked by translations created by, and, and, and that's just a little bit, and I've gone a little bit long, uh, it's created by dynamic equivalence. And by that, which means the translator changed words to better convey a thought. Now, quote, I'm going to put, quote, they changed words, dynamic <coughs> equivalence. And this would, the, virtually all your translations are out there, even though some say they're not. But what they are is they're dynamic equivalence. They change what it says, the words that it says and uses, in order to better convey the thought that it's given. Now, I just want to say this to them, to everybody in here. Before we get caught up in that, I beg you, Rather than do that, rather than change it so you better convey the thought in, human, in the human realm, yield to the Holy Spirit who will guide you into all truth. For He is the one who can better convey the thoughts. For they, listen to me, He can better convey the thoughts because they were His thoughts. And in the, in the first place, and they were His words that He already used to convey His thoughts. Now watch this. He reveals to us the truth of the Word of God. He can convey His thoughts through the words that He used because they're His thoughts. And listen, this is the way He conveyed the truth. These are the words He used. So why would we want to change that? We place ourselves in the place of God. Secondly, the Word of God is attacked in a greater way, in a more dangerous way, as we decide in our hearts what is or is not His Word. 
When each of us decides whether a portion of Scripture is for us or we decide whether we like it or agree with it, when you look at Scripture and you struggle understanding or believing, you will find yourself in a great company, for many do that, struggle to understand and even sometimes struggle believing because we're human beings. The danger comes when you reject it and refuse it because you disagree with it. So I, I believe, again, I'll say, I think you're very wise to have the King James Bible. I believe the King James Bible is, the, is what's called, is, is translated by a formal equivalence, which, which means it was translated word for word, not thought for thought. They were very diligent to simply take Greek and Hebrew and Aramaic and take it from that, and they translated this word to this word. Okay? They did that. You are also very wise to believe every word of your Bible, every truth, every law, every principle. Believe it all. It doesn't contain, it is. It's got to be somewhere, and God says this is it. Now, if there's anything in the Word of God that causes you to say, I reject, I do not agree, therefore I refuse it, listen to me, then you in fact do not believe it is the very words of God. And this is the root of of the spiritual problems that we're having in the Christian churches today. Bottom line, our churches are full of people. They may carry a Bible. They may say they believe it. But effectively, they are their own Bible. It started back with with WWJD. What would Jesus do? And here's the problem. I, I told him all the way back then, my wife remember I said that, I, I got so frustrated with it because I walked into a, we were traveling, we were in uh, Smoky Mountains, and we just came from a camp, we went into a place, and WWJD was everywhere, it's on every necklace, it's on every t-shirt, it's on everything, and right there, hanging in this little gift shop, was WWJD hanging from a roach clip. Anybody remember, anybody even know what I'm talking about? It's not a clip that you go catch roaches with. The roach. Marijuana. It was something that you could clip on and hold the very end of I wouldn't know myself. But it's something you could never inhale. The, uh, no, I really didn't. The, uh, it's something that you could hold it very tight. You took it, burn it down to the very end. Right there hanging there in that room. They got the little feather on it and they got WWJD. Now here's the problem. I told my wife, I said, listen, I want to do a WWJD bracelet, necklace, something. And you know what you need to hang from it? Hang your Bible. Because all these people, they were WWJD. And can I tell you what they were doing? They were saying, what would Jesus do? Well, you know, I think he'd go have a beer. I think he'd go to that party. I think he would smoke dope. You know what? They were being the Bible. They weren't going about what God said. Not at all. I'm not, I don't think the concept is wrong. I read the book. Listen, I think the concept is, is right if you decide what Jesus did, would do by what he did. So, do we really believe we have the words of God? And as my old preacher said, if you don't believe it's here, this is my preacher. He said, if you don't believe it's here, 
He said, I'd have more respect for you if you just believed it was somewhere. Because if you don't believe it, you don't believe it even exists. You become your own Bible. You become God. Because it's whatever you decide. Don't get mad. As a, one guy used to say, a few minutes, we'll pray. Don't go away mad. Just go away. <laughs> but really, tonight, what we're trying to do is let's just recommit to the fact that we're going to believe it. And watch this. If, we can, if God can talk to us every day, wouldn't it be bad if we don't talk to him? Well, let me take it back. Wouldn't it be bad if we don't listen to him? He wants to talk to us every day. And, you know, I don't know why he didn't just, you know, make this thing come up and say, feed me. <laughs> hey, come back here. He doesn't do that. And the Holy Spirit still small voices. He's pulling at your heart. His word. And the more we believe it is his word, the more we believe it's true, the more we will respect it, the more we will go to it, the more we'll search it to say, God, what do you want me to do? Because you have the answers. Father, I pray that you bless, Lord Jesus. I, I pray that, that we'll take it.